0: by reading scripture first. Uh, But today we've got to do a little bit of setup. and We need to do that um, with stories that you know, Um, but we need to have the right frame of mind as we move into our uh, scripture lesson for today. We're beginning something I have never done here. Uh, During the season of Lent, we're going to do a theological sermon series. Usually I either preach from the lectionary, which are Texts which are a three year rotation that the Methodist Church follows along with other denominations. Um, sometimes we preach, have preached through a book of the Bible, um, but this time we're, we're kind of building up to Easter in a very particular and intentional way. Uh, so that's what we're going to be doing through Lent, and that starts uh, today. But I'm going to start with a story. When I was probably nine years old, it uh, was one of the few summers that. Uh, my brother and I found space to try playing golf. Usually my dad was, wanted us to focus on baseball and our baseball swings, so we didn't play a lot of golf. But I was nine or 10 and we decided we were gonna play a little bit of golf that summer. I was never very good at it. But we were at my grandmother's house in Aberdeen and we were hitting little plastic Wiffle golf balls. They don't travel very far, but they don't break anything. We had permission to hit those in the backyard, but no real golf balls. And my brother said, Chad, you're hitting them pretty good. You can, hit, you can hit one, real one, and it'll be okay. And of course that one put right into my grandmother's living room, right through the window. We just sort of stood there in fear, waiting for my grandfather to come out. He was in the living room. It turns out that that was part of his hearing that he'd lost at that point. So we were standing there waiting for my grandparents to come out and get on to us, and no one comes. So I had to go in and pick up the golf ball and the broken glass right behind my grandfather and take it to him and say, this is what I've done, I've broken your window. And then over the rest of the summer, I had to save my allowance to pay for that window pane that it could be repaired. But there was no way to put that window back together, not for me. And this is sort of the story that we're looking at today in a different. Genesis and throughout all the scripture. You may remember in Genesis 1, the creation story, that in the very beginning, which is a very good place to start, God created the heavens and the earth. And after that, each day, something happens. For six days in a row, God speaks. The story goes like this, God said, let there be light, and there was light. God saw the light, and it was very good. And this is the rhythm of the story through every day. God said it, it was so, God saw it, and it was good. These are the basic components of each day of creation. God said it, so, God saw it, and saw that it was good. And so that's the way it goes. Let there be light was the first day. On the second day, he said, let there be an expanse, let there be air that separates The waters in the heavens from the waters on earth. And there was evening and morning the second day. God said it. And it happened. And he saw it. It was good. The third day, he created lights. Not just light and darkness. He had already done that on the first day. But on the third day, he separated the light. Created greater and lesser lights. Evening and morning. He created vegetation and he created animals. Each day he created more things, sea creatures and birds. And then on the sixth day after he created all of the animals that live on the land, he created man. Each day he spoke it and it happened, he saw it and it was good. And on the sixth day he looked at everything that he had created and he said, this is very good. He created humankind in his own image, male and female, in the very image of God, the capstone of his creation, and he'd given them a command to be fruitful and multiply, to fill the earth and subdue it, to rule over it. He'd given them every plant for food that they could ever need, and everything was good. God spoke it, and it was so. God saw it, and it was good. And on the seventh day, God rested from his labors. This is the first thing God does in Genesis 2. But in the next part of Genesis 2, we start to get another picture of creation. We get a different account of what creation looks like. God creates man and woman. He creates all of the animals. He's looking for a mate for man, a, 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 a fitting helper. man and he creates all of these animals and none of them is fitting to live with man until finally he creates Eve from the rib of Adam. And as he leaves them in this garden that's teeming with life, it's full of life, in fact in the garden is the tree of life, the source of all that they need. They have access to everything that they need, they are at peace with one another And God gives them a command. Just as God spoke the world into being, God speaks again this time to men, to man and woman, to Adam. And he says, any tree in the garden you may eat from. Any tree but the knowledge of good, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And the day you eat of that tree, you will surely die. A commandment from God. In addition to be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, there's this one more thing. Don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The day of, the of it, you will surely die. Until this point, everything that God has said in all of the universe has happened. But this commandment goes a little bit differently. Let's read together now Now the serpent was more crafty than any other wild animal the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God say, you shall not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the middle of the garden, nor shall you touch it, or you shall die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and good. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to her eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave the some to her husband who was with her and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. and they sewed fig leaves together and made loincloths for themselves. They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden at the time of the evening breeze, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? He said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was naked, and I hid myself. The Lord said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, The woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me fruit from the tree, and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you've done the woman said, The serpent tricked me into hiding. The Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, curse for you among all animals and among all wild creatures. Upon your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I'll put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers. He will strike your head, and he will strike his heel. To the woman he said, I will greatly increase your pains and childbearing. In pain you shall bring the children. Yet your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall over and to the man he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and eaten of the tree about which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles you shall bring forth for you. For you, and you shall eat plants of the field. But the sweat of your face you shall eat bread until you return to the ground, for you out of it were taken. You are dust, and to dust you shall return. The man named his wife Eve, because she was the mother of all living, and the Lord God made garments and skins for them, and for his wife, Quote, This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. In the words of my mouth and the meditations of each of our hearts, I accept this in your sight, Almighty Father. You who are our brother. So the Lord has spoken, and it has happened. Everything that the Lord has said has come to be, and it's not only good, but very good. But then we find that someone else speaks, and Adam and Eve, who were made to have ears only for the Lord, listen. You will not surely die, the serpent says. Instead, you will be like God, able to discern good and evil. And Adam and Eve made the choice to decide to be like God rather than to continue in right relationship with God. And when they do that, they realize that they are naked, that they are ashamed, they hide. And this is the beginning of the fragmentation of the good world that God has made. Very well, Adam and Eve should have been afraid. Not because they were naked, but because they had acted contrary to the creative power of the word of God. You see, when they do this, something happens to the world. This world which is built on God's speech, that God has said it and it has come into being, when they violate God's speech, something happens that extends to the very fabric Something happens to this world when humans who are made in God's image act contrary to the word of God in an effort to become even more like God than they were created to be. So like a piece of fabric that's unraveled by pulling on one wayward string or a beautiful window that gets shattered by a small golf ball, the world gets fragmented in this fundamental disobedience of Adam if the order of the world is built on the speech of God, when Adam and Eve, Eve and Adam act in fundamental opposition to God's speech, something happens. And what happens sinners around us, or at least our experience of it does. Relationships are deeply broken. Relationships really are four swords. First is a relationship up, a relationship with God. Once Adam and Eve listened to God and lived and abided with God with no shame. But now when the Lord comes to them, they feel the need to cut themselves and to hide. And when the Lord speaks to them, rather than responding directly, they all pass the blame. Adam to Eve and Eve to serpent. And they're alienated from God by their actions. But then it goes further than that as well. Adam and Eve are the only two humans, as the story goes, and their relationship is fractured. As God speaks it in the curse, Eve's desire will be for Adam, and Adam will rule over her. They can't even cooperate on what the story is. Whose fault was it that they ate from the tree? This one who is designed to be his partner, his helpmate, his helper, This one and he are now at odds with one another. It not only extends horizontally with one another and upwardly with God, it also extends inwardly. That Adam and Eve don't even know who they are anymore. They're not even comfortable with their own bodies the way once they were. They're ashamed. And it extends upwardly, horizontally, inwardly, and down to creation. It affects the very fabric of the earth on which we live, the ground, which was designed for Adam and Eve to provide them with all of the food they could need. And life itself is now going to work back against them. What once was naturally going to grow and produce fruit that they needed that they might live on now is going to produce thorns and thistles. And by the sweat of his brow, Adam will make bread. Even creation itself is fractured. This is what happens in Genesis 3. Everything that God spoke into being and saw that it was good as it came into being by his very speech is ripped apart by this act of sin. The world is fragmented by sin. This is the point at which death enters in the world. It is not the end of their lives. The serpent doesn't lie in that sense of death. They do not die that day. But their lives, though they do not cease to exist or breathe, is forever and fundamentally changed. Their communion with God and with themselves and with one another and with the world is broken. Their knowledge has introduced them to shame and to labor to oppression, and to alienation. And this is the story of Genesis. This is what leads us into a place of need for salvation. And so when John speaks of the Word of God becoming flesh and living among us, this is the beginning at Christmas of God piecing back together the fragments of the world. It begins with Jesus, who is fully God and fully human, made from the same dust as Adam, joined with creation, that he might redeem who we are. That Jesus might begin to put back together everything that causes us pain and drives us away from one another and from God himself. The new Adam is Jesus. And just as Adam with one sin led to all die, so in Jesus, new Adam, who lives a righteous life and dies and is raised again, all of us might live. You don't need me to tell you that the world is broken. You know it. You know it because we've had funerals this week through Ms. Wendy and Ms. Jean. You know it because we're waiting on another king. You know it because you're awaiting surgeries or you're worried about your family who's sick or your kids who are struggling or yourselves. You know that the world is broken. You know the sickness that interrupts our lives and even seeks to extinguish it. You know anxiety and depression and anger and hatred and addiction. Everyone, each of us, has our own struggle. This is the way the curse works itself out. This is the effect of sin in our lives—not any one sin, but sin itself that pulls apart the fabric of the world. But it's not the way the world was created to be. The world was good, and very good, on that sixth day, of creation. And it's also not the way that the world will be. This brings us to our second reading this morning from Romans 8. I will pick up in verse 12, verse 28, with this word. So then, brothers and sisters, we are debtors not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received the spirit of adoption. When we cry, Abba, Father, it is that very spirit bearing witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if in fact we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory about to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the children of God the creation was subjected to futility not of its own will but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to decay and will obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God we know that the whole creation has been groaning in labor pains until now and not only the creation we ourselves who have the first fruits of the spirit from inwardly while we wait for adoption the redemption of our bodies for in hope we are saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what is seen? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we ought. But that very Spirit intercedes with sighs eyes too deep for words. And God who searches the heart knows what is in the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes with the saints according to the will of God. We know that all things work together for good for those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. The word of God for us. us.
1: This, then, Paul's words to the church
0: at Rome, becomes a beautiful word for us. If we live by the flesh, we will die, but if we live by the Spirit, if we live by the Spirit, we will live. Not only will we live, but we will live as the children of God that we were made to be. Adopted full heirs of Christ and heirs to all of the goodness that God wants intended to us, intended for us. We're not given a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, fear of anything. We are given a spirit that lets us cry out, Abba, Father. This spirit is what leads us into a place that, despite suffering, we can recognize hope. We can recognize that something different and better is on the way. We can be those who are focused not on what thieves can steal and moths and rust can destroy, but on a treasure in heaven that is coming to abide on earth as all today. Paul says, the suffering of the present age is not worthy of compare to the glory that's about to be revealed to us. You see, as Paul speaks, it becomes evident that we live in an overlapping time. When Jesus comes and is born, it's the Word made flesh, reconciling all of these things that are fragmented to himself. The work begins, but the work is not yet finished. We live in the world of the flesh and in the world of the Spirit at the same time. These worlds are overlapping, but the suffering is different. The suffering when we are adopted into the family of God when we abide in the world that is being reconciled to God is not suffering that leads to death. It's the suffering of birth pains. Creation is groaning with birth pains and we ourselves our groaning birthplaces, that we might be set free from the one world and released into a new world of life, of justice, and goodness, and beauty. This is why Jesus speaks of the new birth. One thing that struck me is I have had friends who walked through uh, pregnancy and birth, is that they struggle to talk about what it means for. For their wife to be pregnant because the baby is here in one sense. It's right there in the same space, in the same room, but it's not here yet. The world, the baby is abiding in a different world than the one that they will soon know. It'll be the same space, but an entirely new way of being. This is what we call hope. This is what we believe we are living. That God himself is piecing back together everything that is broken in the world. That our sin, which has fragmented us, separated us from God and alienated us from one another and led us even to wrestle with creation itself, will be made right. And this is understanding this basic idea that sin and death and disease are all rooted in the brokenness that comes our disobedience to God, and that Jesus is putting it all back together, is the basic truth of the gospel. As we move through Lent, my hope is to articulate this a little bit more clearly. The ways that we find ourselves in need of salvation, what it looks like for us to be alienated from God and separated from one another, and for even creation to work back again. That when we get to Easter, we might see the way that God finds us and heals us. And not us only, but all of creation as he conquers sin and death and cross. When God speaks, it happens. And when it happens, it is good. When Adam and Eve violate this basic principle, we find ourselves with the curse. Curse that separates us from the God who is above, the people who are next to us, ourselves inside, and the creation below us. But this is not the end of the story. This is simply a story of birth as we wait for the salvation of our God. We pray with you. Lord, sometimes in our suffering, our pain and our sin seem so great that we wonder how you would save us. So we ask that we yet again direct our eyes to you. You who are great. You whose faithfulness and love extend beyond the scope of our universe. You who are beyond unbound by time. You who are capable of bringing all So we ask, Lord, that you piece our individual lives back together and piece the fullness of creation back together as we await the new birth, the new creation, the return of our life. In the name of Jesus' name we pray.